Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. There's a difference between uh, a ritual and something having relationship. A difference between ritual and relationship. Uh, a ritual is uh, something that is a either religious or some solemn ceremony consisting of a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order. Ritual is something that happens continuously and is typically using some prescribed order uh, for that very thing. But what I've learned through life is that for something to stick, it has to move from just being a ritual into relationship. There has to be some kind of progression for it to have meaning and impact our lives. For example, this last week, uh, my family and I, we have this ritual that comes with relationships, so it's starting to stick. In my wife's family, they have this rule that for there to be a real Christmas, there has to be a real Christmas tree. Not one of those fake trees, right? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're like my wife, because I don't want to have an argument when we get home, all right? But this last week, we went to the real Christmas tree store, also known as Menards, <laughs> and picked out our real Christmas tree, because this is something that's a ritual for her family that I've had to learn through relationship is meaningful, for my wife as well, during Christmas time, they typically watch like old school Christmas movies, like White Christmas, every single year. This is a ritual for my wife, and it brings her back to when she was a little girl and watching it with her parents. And something that through relationship, I begin to see that it sticks in our family. Now, my wife isn't the one who just has rituals. We have rituals as well in my family. Uh, for my family, it's typically after a big meal, we get into a really deep conversation. Aided by a couple of glasses of wine, we really get into something really deep and meaningful. And I remember the first time that happening and my wife later on that night saying, what do your parents want? Why are they asking all of these questions? Are they trying to get at something? And I'm like, no, this is just a ritual that exists in our family. It has to move from just a ritual into relationship. And, and when it comes to God, when it comes to the season and time, when rituals seem to just bud up all the time, I really believe that we need to see that God wants to move us from rituals and into relationship. He wants us to see the beauty of what he has done is more than just things that we do every single year, but really is and comes from 
a relationship. And to move down that path is the question that we ask. How do we get there? How in the world do we do this? And I believe our scripture that we read today and also throughout the word of God, we see that to move from ritual to relationship requires a whole lot of joy. Today, we're going to continue in our series called Joy to the World, looking at these four big words of hope, peace, joy, and love. And today, I really want us to focus on that word of joy. What does that mean and how does this apply to my life here today? We read in the Bible that there are many different sources of joy. Uh, In fact, one of those sources of joy is the created world. What exists around us should bring us all kinds of joy. When we look at it, it's just absolutely beautiful. The wonders and mysteries of what God has created. We read these words from Psalm 65. It says that the pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. The created world around us is a source of joy. We saw also today that children can bring joy as well. Not in a perfect play, right? But in just the beauty of being up front and watching how they act in these awkward situations. They bring us joy. And the Bible would say this as well. We read in Proverbs 23, 24, and 25. It says that the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice that he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. And even the Bible would teach us that food and wine are a source of joy. Some of you need to write down this verse, right, in a second, because you're like, wait, did he just say wine? Yes, in moderation here, all right? Food and wine are a source of joy, the scriptures would say. Looking at Psalm 104.15, it says this, that wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The Bible would talk about joy in many different ways and sources that it comes from. But the greatest source of joy that the Bible would point to and teach us about doesn't necessarily just come from creation, children, or even food and wine, but it comes from Jesus, that Jesus himself would bring joy to this world. That's what was prophesied and told that was going to come. In fact, look here at Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says here, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Jesus coming into this world is to bring great joy to all people. But how in the world are they defining joy? (laughs) What do you mean by that? Well, if I were to define the word joy, I I would take it this way. If you want to write this down, go ahead. I believe that joy is an attitude 
God's people adopt, not just because of the happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Joy is consistently the mark of both individually the believer and corporately the church. It's a quality, not an emotion, grounded upon God himself and indeed comes from God himself. And it characterizes the Christian's life on earth because it also anticipates the future joy that is to come in the kingdom of heaven. And what happens in our world is that when we start talking about joy, we, we blend it together with this word happiness. And we think that, that joy and happiness are, are the same thing. But I would be willing to argue that these are two distinct things that we need to separate. Because joy is not happiness. Happiness is something that happens to you. That's where the word happiness comes from. Something is happening to you that brings a good circumstance. So if I get this gift, then I will be happy. But joy is not dependent upon something happening to you. It's deeper. It's steady and sure. Whereas happiness can be fleeting and gone. Joy is rooted in relationship and deeper than the circumstances that are happening to us. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is an attitude that we take on. What I truly believe is that every person desires to experience joy over happiness. We get that this world brings us challenging times, that life isn't going to be perfect. So what we desire is something deeper. We want something deeper than just a ritual. We want that relationship. We want something more than happiness. We desire to experience joy. So how in the world do I live and grow in that joy? I want to I teach you just a simple principle that I've come to learn, yet also find it to be very profound for us here today. And I want us to see this also in the life of Mary from the story that the kids just acted out for us. The principle is simply this, that how do I grow in joy? This would be good to write down. How do I grow in joy? Well, um, first off, I think that there are two competing voices that exist inside all of us at every single time. In our lives, there are these two competing voices. The first voice would be this. It would be a voice of discontentment, one that exists in our world. And, and when discontentment is heard but when we speak it, it, it leads us into a place of robbing our joy. Discontentment being this thing that, uh, that I'm just complaining about all things. My job, uh, my relationships, my lack of something. 
my desire for something more. And that as that voice continues to be spoken or what we speak out, it seems to be robbing us of joy. Yet on the other end, there's also a voice that's competing for our ears. One of thanks. And that when that voice becomes louder, it fuels our joy. It builds us up. I'd be willing to argue that thanksgiving is the gatekeeper of joy. That when I'm thankful for what I get, I experience joy. And so the question for us today here at Trinity is simply this. Which one is getting the louder voice for you right now? And as you think about maybe the thoughts that you continue to think about, which, which ones are you just discerning in your mind? And maybe it's not even just what you're thinking. Maybe it's the voices that you allow to speak louder in your life. Which one is just speaking loud, discontentment or thanks? The reality is, is that both of these exist for all of us in the room, not pretending that they don't. But when we look at this woman, Mary, thousands of years ago, both of these voices are loud in her her life. And In this moment, she's choosing for one to be louder. Notice that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was like around 12 to 14 years old when she found out that she was pregnant because an angel showed up to her. Can we just acknowledge that's a little bit weird? If you've had an experience similar, come talk to me after church. I really want to talk to you, all right? And this young woman we learn of in Matthew at the very beginning and in Luke's account as well that that her fiancé, Joseph, decides that he's going to divorce her quietly because of this. Hear this voice of discontentment that must have existed in Mary's life in this moment. And so Mary, after finding out this news, as the kids displayed for us this morning, went to go and visit her relative Elizabeth. And in that visit, as she is pregnant with Jesus, she visits Elizabeth, who is also pregnant. And it becomes this moment of joy. And it seems as if that Mary allows a voice of thanks to be louder when it very easily could have been just a moment of discontentment. I want you to hear these words again that was read beautifully by our kids. Mary says this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, when we hear these words of Mary, which voice seems to sound louder? Discontentment or thanks? When I hear these words known as the Magnificat that Mary would proclaim, in the midst of all kinds of uncertainty that was going to come, and just the birth of her first child, and for years of wondering who this Messiah is, she rejoices. She's, she proclaims that, that this God is mindful of her even in this difficult circumstance and that he, being God, has performed mighty works even in the midst of uncertainty. What I find so interesting is that in our world, our world continues to just offer this voice of discontentment in a louder and louder way. I mean, think about how we get marketed to, of needing more, and, and that more is maybe the next best thing or the next improvement or the next thing to consume. That, that if I get this very thing, that that will guarantee happiness or maybe even using the word joy. But, but all of us know that that next best thing loses its luster and its joy. That eventually it becomes just another thing. What's interesting is that statistics keep coming out that during this season in time, that as Americans, we seem to be experiencing more stress than any other time in the world. That, that according to a poll by the American Psychological Association, that there's this thing known as holiday stress, and that 69% of people are stressed out by the feeling of having a lack of time. 69% as well are stressed by perceiving a lack of money. And 51% are stressed out about the pressure to give or get gifts. Maybe you can't even focus right now because you're still wondering what you're going to get your aunt for Christmas. Think about it. This season and time that is intended to be one of thanks is being robbed by discontentment. And see, the world wants to leave you in a place of discontentment, of wanting something more. But God wants to bring you joy, a promise into this world. I mean, remember, this is why Jesus came. In Luke 2.10, 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all people. It's interesting. Um, I don't know. You've probably maybe heard of this person before. Her name is uh, Brene Brown. She's written a couple of different uh, books, and she's a research analyst. And she uh, took on this project that went on for 12 years. This is a long project, right? Over 11,000 different pieces of data. And in, uh, in this uh, project, she wanted to discover um, what made somebody joyful. So she began with a question of all the people that she interviewed for 12 years. She began with this question of, would you consider yourself to be a joyful person? And of the people who answered yes to that question, there was, of every single person that answered yes, there was this consistent peace in their lives that was just a mind-blowing moment for Brene that she began to just start to implement into her own life. She said, the secret to joy according to the people that she has researched, is that every person who would consider themselves to be joyful has some some distinct way in their life that they offer thanks. This is fascinating research, she said. It, It could have been that as a family, when we're about to eat dinner, we just go around the table and we say what we're thankful for. Even though somebody says, I'm thankful for turtles, it doesn't matter that we're beginning the process of offering thanks. Or for some, it was just in their own personal journal time, they just wrote the word thanks and they would write out the things that they were thankful for. And what she came to conclude was this simple statement. She said that I will practice gratitude to access joy. This is profound. Because I would argue that most of us would think the other way around. That to experience joy, joy has to come first and then I will give thanks. I have to receive something first and then I give thanks. But Brene flips it around. She says, to access joy, I will practice gratitude. And, and this is something that as I was studying and learning this research, I was like, man, I just got to test this out for myself. And so this last week for me, it was simply this. I just took time in my own personal journal devotion time and found these two big categories of where I can offer thanks. And I want to offer them to you as well, especially in the midst of this season. With whatever voice seems to be louder, I want you to to guard your heart to access joy. And and for me, what it was is that I started to group it into two different categories of what universally am I thankful for and what uniquely am I also thankful for. So universally, I found these things of like God's love I'm so thankful for. I'm thankful for his beautiful creation, even when it's freezing outside. I think I wrote this earlier in the week, all right? I'm thankful for God's wisdom and that he would give us wisdom of how to live in this world. Yet uniquely, I'm thankful 
for my wife, Gretchen, and our kids. I'm thankful for this church. For anybody who was here on Thursday, the service of remembrance, I'm so thankful that, that this church is willing to, to lean in and give people a voice when things aren't going so well. I'm thankful for a warm house to sleep in. And also I'm thankful for coffee and pizza and good wine. All things that I just found myself saying that in the midst of when voices are trying to compete, I'm gonna choose to be thankful. Because joy is an attitude of God's people, not just because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and in his promise. And that promise in love is not determined by our current struggle or our current triumph. It's determined by our future destiny of what God has already done for us. That that the Christian in particular can point to the act of what God has done through his son Jesus. That not only that he came into this world, but that he lived the perfect life and died on a cross, rising again from the dead. That even in the midst of utter circumstances that are devastating, God proclaims that joy wins. That trusting in him, he's winning. So you want a deeper relationship with God, I would offer you to practice joy. Now, what I'm not saying is that this isn't a sermon of like, hey, just turn that frown upside down. Stop pretending or like just gut it out. I really believe that joy comes truly in smiles and in tears. In both areas. And may you know that this is a place that you can come and weep. A place that you can come and laugh. Because remember, what God desires is to move us from a ritual to a relationship. To know him in a deeper way. That this is what the church is supposed to be. To move us also from happiness to joy. Now one last thing though. I found this kind of interesting. I was reading the accounts of, uh, of the Christmas story and getting ready for Christmas Eve service and things that are coming up. And in Luke chapter 2, one of the places where we read of this account of, of Mary, it's really interesting because Mary has this moment in, in Luke 2.19 where she is said to do this. It says of Mary, but Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. I don't know what this season is bringing to you today. I don't know if this is a season of great thanks because it's been a great year. I can't wait for the next moment in 2020 to come. Or if 2019 has just been a year that you've wanted to forget and wish and hope that it's not the same this next. I would challenge you to look 
at your life like Mary did to ponder, to take time with your God, to hear maybe that voice of discontentment, but to speak louder that voice of thanks. Because what I know and what I hope for each and every one of us is that we would move from this ritual to relationship. I pray that we would move from happiness in that only when good things are happening that I'm happy to joy that is deeper than what the world throws at me. And I pray that we would move from discontentment to thanks. Looking at how God has acted in this world and knowing that he desires for us to experience joy. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God who works in this world, in the messiness, and also the beauty of what we see and know. I pray, God, that as, as a community of people that are experiencing this world, that we would hear louder that voice of thanksgiving. I pray, Lord, that we would be challenged to ponder the good things that you have done, but not just what you have done, yet also ponder the future joy that you promise to bring. It is greater than any gift that we will receive this time for Christmas, greater than anything that we can imagine. I pray that we would just find our meaning and purpose and identity in that very joy. May we give thanks in the meantime of that. It's in Jesus' name, amen.